mindless you Galatians are, who spellbound you? Wasn't Jesus Christ openly portrayed in full view as crucified? I have only one question for you. Did you receive the life breath by actions from Torah or by a report of faithfulness? Are you so mindless that after beginning with life breath, you now finish with muscle? Did you go through everything you experienced for nothing, if it was really for nothing? So, does the one who provides life breath for you and activates power among you do so by actions from Torah or by a report of faithfulness? May this be to us a word of life and courage. Hello and welcome to the Lexio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes and I'm glad you're here. Thank you as always to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music. So this this one, man, it's a it's a doozy. It's a big one. Um, the implications of this, you know, I know it's just a few verses here. What five verses? Um, but man, if you let it sink in, this pivot points in Paul's arguments. It's going to change how you read anywhere else in the sacred scripture in the sacred library that we call the Bible. It'll change you. From, in time, from judgment to curiosity, uh, it's it certainly melted my own smugness. Well, some of it, <laughs> uh, and and it's made the divine much more intimate than I really believed was possible. Um, so, so far in this season, we've been really focusing in on what Paul, what's freaking Paul out, that the problem that he's responding to is not some folks saying you have to undergo male circumcision to go to heaven when you die. That's not the problem they're talking about. That's actually a much more, uh, the reality that Paul is arguing with is much more this worldly than that. The problem is folks saying that you have to culturally convert and conform to a particular culture's customs to be part of following this Jesus fella. We've been exploring how Paul is saying that that's getting the story totally wrong because there's precedent within that story, the story of Israel that Jesus belonged to, that says faithfulness, allegiance, loyal allegiance to Creator with almost a reckless edge is what brings one in, not cultural conversion or following the rules. It's a question of the horizontal and social and real world, not a question of the vertical and the afterlife and the immaterial. It's a question of the x-axis that we all live in, not the speculation of the vertical axis, however true and real that is. It's a question of what grounds, by what grounds is someone counted as in. See, that social conformity thing is the question that Paul's responding to. Paul's answer to the question of social conformity, Paul's answer to the question of the horizontal, is verdict. You know, yeah. I wanted to have that be the punchline. The question is social, but the answer is vertical. <laughs> the answer is horizontal, but the answer is vertical. God's work, not ours. Yeah, that's a memorable twist. I'll go with that. 
that's how I wanted to like land this introduction to the episode. Um, but <laughs> I started like typing out my thoughts on this and it, the reality here is so much cooler than that. So much more nuanced and big. Um, I grew up hearing so much breath being spent on emphasizing that sense though. Uh, uh, the sense that the implications of Jesus are that there was nothing we could do to resolve the vertical, that we couldn't earn divine embrace, that we must cast ourselves fully on Jesus's accomplishment, namely being assassinated, to be found as God's beloved. Okay, except for that last part, <laughs> the conditionality of being God's beloved. Uh, you know, the rest of that's fine and well, yes. Like, that sense of nothing you can do to earn God's favor. That's all, like, good Protestant talking points that really any branch of the family tree, the Roman branch and the Eastern branch and the Protestant branches, myriad they be, (laughs) uh, all agree with. But the circles I swam in, evangelicalism, Made that great selling, made that the great selling point of Christianity and the essence of this good news that they were so eager to uh, be sharing. Again, yeah, it's all wonderful and true. Divine embrace, divine love, it's all gift. It's all the lavish gratuity of this holy drenched universe. I love it. It's also not the point of the Jesus story. It's part of how it works. It's not the good news. In the language of that tradition, it's not the gospel. This is all an answer to a question, how do I go to heaven when I die, that the sacred libraries of Judaism and Christianity are not asking, nor are they answering, (laughs) at least not directly. So you can see why that little punchline I wanted to use earlier, the, the question is horizontal, the answer is vertical, why it's so problematic. It just risks falling into that old tiny pattern, a pattern that isn't even really in the sacred texts. But what's pro- what's problematic about it? Well, to begin with, faith communities that rally around all of that also tend to expect its members to conform and convert to some of their cultural customs. Yeah, especially around gender and sexuality. Women, be like this. Men, be like this. Queer folk, don't be like that. You know the drill. Everything is pink and blue, but none of it's true. Do you see it? (laughs) For the evangelical world that thinks the question is vertical, how to go to heaven, and the answer is vertical, simply believe. That's what Paul is saying. Faith, not works, is how you go to heaven, right? They have lost out on Paul's passionate critique of horizontal games of cultural conformity and power and domination that really are part of what Galatians is all about. They've, these folks have avoided Galatians' path forward as Paul argues it, and they just keep making distinctions into divisions. It's like they're saying, God doesn't need your obedience, but we do. God doesn't need your obedience to belong, but we do. This is, of course, to say nothing. I mean, 
it's not like that that insight hinges on galatians um <laughs> or these verses like at all it's ripped all through it's 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 brimming uh on every part of the like sacred library jewish library and christian library right um this is to say nothing of all the stories of Jesus decolonizing and deconstructing exclusionary religion through solidarity with the excluded. <laughs> like, we're all without an excuse here whenever we have the impulse to play the obedience game. But back to Paul's text. Paul's arguing with folks who obviously get that the question is horizontal. It's their question, after all. They want to know who's in and what you have to do to show that. And their answer is also horizontal. Kind of. It's obedience. Obedience. Obedience to, well, not just Torah, but their interpretation of it. And since Torah is from creator, the answer to the horizontal question is horizontal. Um, Like that answer, conformity, sameness, conveniently, is all conveniently sanctioned by creator. So they use the vertical to reinforce a static horizontal. See, their problem wasn't Torah. Torah is not the problem here that Paul is arguing against. It's the obedience paradigm. It's the one culture paradigm. Paul argues from and for Torah, off and on, over many letters. Like so many, like letters as in like pieces of <laughs> correspondence. Um, yeah, he's he's calling for something beyond the obedience paradigm from Torah. Torah isn't the Torah itself isn't the problem. How Torah has captured people's imaginations and hearts to be small instead of big. Instead of loving neighbor as self, demanding neighbor to look like self, right? Now, the, yeah, the obedience paradigm has come to stand in for Torah. That's the problem. Later, he says, Torah was a really helpful, helpful nanny, and all life matures. They're wanting to stay in the obedience paradigm, stay in the nanny state. <laughs> it's about getting it right a fixed status quo of doing things correctly that wrings its hands about right and wrong at getting the finest minutiae of where those boundaries are. It's a paradigm that needs clear markers of reality and hierarchy to fix it in place and enforce it. And here it is. The obedience paradigm believes the divine needs those clear markers too. It gives up the game in believing creator needs rules because we need rules. It makes God in our image, not us in the image of God. Now this isn't a problem that's exclusive to Judaism or evangelicalism or any tradition or any ism. It's a really core human instinct. Everyone lives with this desire. It's there to serve us and take care of us. Uh, yeah, for sure. Boundaries can be really healthy and good. Anybody who's had to differentiate 
<laughs> from a community like the ones I'm kind of uh, throwing shade at, know that boundaries can be good. And anybody that's wanted to hold space for safe healing and liberation knows that you got to have some table manners established for how to be a healthy people together. This can't be room for everybody when some people are actively working to dehumanize other people. Do you see that? Do you see how boundaries can really be healthy? If we're all going to be moving on the path of liberation and healing, we do need some of it. As my uh, professor once said, all all of the divines know, all of their knows, uh, flow out of a deeper yes. See, the divine first says yes to peace and justice, and therefore God says no to economic exploitation and sexual domination. It's not the other way around. If, if, if the no's are what lead the divine, then that means rules precede desire, precede vitality and life. But you see, rules are made for humanity, not humanity for rules. Now here's how Paul sorts all this out. He says it's the life breath, elsewhere called the spirit, that ties all this together. That animating presence of the sacred, of the divine, the humanity-creating power that breathed life into the soil to make humanity the life breath that inspires life, that inspires us, that brought forth reality amid chaos in the old tales— that brought forth liberation out of enslavement and domination in some of the older tales. That's his contrast to the obedience paradigm, the life breath. And more than the life breath, the faithfulness of Jesus, too. This is a major piece in the bigger argument he's making. A few sentences earlier, Paul says, So I live no longer as me, but Christ lives through me. So now whatever I live out with my body, I live with the faithfulness of the Son of God. Elsewhere he writes of the anointed one in you, the hope of glory. See, it's God. Jesus wasn't the only place where it's uh, God. The divine solution is divine plus humanity together though Paul does here point to the Jesus story in particular, and we'll get to that in, well, probably next week. For now, catch just catch the big flow of this. Paul's contrast to the obedience paradigm is life breath. It's divine energy creating a new reality within and among us. The contrast to the obedience paradigm is participation. It's a resonance field of novelty that makes distinctions into homecomings instead of exiles and divisions and destructions. 
It makes being non-Jewish or non-straight or non-cis or non-American or non-affluent or non-landowning or non-white, whatever it is, it makes all those distinctions into gifts, ultimately. The life breath, after all, was poured out on all flesh, and all flesh are capable of faithfulness to the divine without being anything else. All flesh are capable of participation in the divine and mysteriously become places where the Holy One incarnates. Paul's answer to the horizontal question is therefore kind of weird, right? (laughs) Have you grasped this? It's both horizontal and vertical at once. Like that that um, binary that I've been using this whole time is kind of bullshit. <laughs> the synthesis Paul gives is life breath, is participation. Horizontal and vertical together. That unearned gift of divine embrace that the tribe I grew up in loves so much is deconstructive and decolonizing of what that tribe does with <laughs> does next of that instinct that we all have towards cultural conformity and this obedience paradigm which by the way leads very conveniently to a scapegoat world <laughs> but more on that in another episode Paul's answer to obedience. His alternative is participation. Obedience to God is static. Participation with God is alive. Obedience excludes. Participation is open-ended. Obedience is bound to hierarchy. Participation is a dance. Obedience fears. Participation is curious. Obedience promises clarity. Participation trusts the mystery of newness. You see, the answer to this question, if there is one, is not only the y-axis of the divine going it alone, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, nor is it only the x-axis of us going it alone, picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and probably clobbering other people with them. It's neither Gnostic, nor dualistic, nor legalistic. No. Reality has a z-axis, and it's participation. It's love. As the Sufi mystic Rumi wrote, Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you.